This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's 8.44 a.m. on this Monday, December 31st, just counting down the hours remaining in 2018. I'm Tan Chung Han, with me, Julian Ng. Time now to uh, dive into the current business stories of the day. Let's look at something carried in uh, today's Sunbase, uh, because we didn't have our mainstay of, say, the Edge Financial Daily, Malaysian Reserve, all took today off. Uh, but we're so we're looking at uh, the other business sections of the dailies here. So let's look at uh, Sunbase. Now, they have a story about how Malaysian retailers and mall operators are jumping on that Industry 4.0 bandwagon. Now, something to keep in mind as you go about on your next shopping trip because looks like the, these brick-and-mortar guys are adding things like shopper tracking systems and, check this out, facial recognition cameras. I wonder if that actually puts shoppers at ease here. I, I don't know. I don't think I draw a lot of comfort from that knowledge if my face was being tracked around. Um, the, the other thing they're using is also data analytics to capture shop, important shopper inf- information. So I, I think this is something that is uh, quite scrutinized, as we've seen from the likes of Facebook and Google. Um, they're being questioned all over the world as to uh, whether they're keeping up to the standards and ideals of privacy, private mm. information. Well, I think at the same time, on the part of consumers, there has to be a lot of education, right? Because we have been so willing in giving up our personal data from uh, our online shopping habits, what we post, what kind of pages we frequent uh, on online, etc., etc. So already these online, these digital players know plenty about us without us uh, you know, perhaps consenting to it per se, right? Um, so it looks like when it comes to the brick and mortar guys they're having to play catch up well i would think they are looking at the kind of market share that they are ceding to these online players and they're saying well let's try to incorporate some of those things into our operations as well i.e big data yeah absolutely i think uh, people are finding themselves where they have to deal with such technical situations because when you go online and you see an online agreement, uh, basically you don't want to read through the whole thing, right? You just press agree and (laughs) let's move on. Uh, But you're right about uh, these brick and mortar stores trying to keep up with the competition, especially on the onslaught of online competition is not just the malls but also media companies right mm. the way people are consuming uh, their shopping as well as their entertainment changing in very drastic ways uh, for example mall walmarts and Co- the you know the likes of Costco in america cro- closing down and at unprecedented rates so mm. uh, these guys are just taking preemptive moves to second guess consumer tastes yeah while well, speaking about the closures i think crabtree and evelyn i just walked into one this past weekend and, and yeah, they're basically having a fire sale. Their shelves are empty on news that uh, Crabtree and Evelyn are closing down their stores uh, everywhere. Sears uh, also closing down as well in the US. But coming back to Malaysia, look, there are some very real developments on this front. You've got Sunway Velocity Mall's general manager, Danny Lee, or general manager for center management, Danny Lee, who said that the, that, that mall, Sunway Velocity, has completed the installation of its shopper tracking system earlier this month, early December. And so this system uh, can have this unique ID for each mobile phone that's carried by shoppers and they are currently testing the system. So 
This brings to mind the conversation, the grill that I had with Kevin Tan, COO of Sunway Malls, back uh, in August or so. Okay, And during that conversation, we spoke about big data, about the potential and also the concerns over potential privacy intrusions. Here's what Kevin Tan, COO of Sunway Malls, had to say on the Breakfast Grill. Well, uh, datas are really internally for our own consumption, where it's supposed to meant to give us details that help us make better decisions, understand our customer better, understand the market better, and therefore we can implement plans and strategies that actually fit them, and that's what they want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not meant to, to be uh, what they call intruding into their privacy. Uh, it's, it's a choice uh, provided for them to make a decision whether they want to take it or not. So obviously, with all digital marketing is always with permission. Again, that was Kevin Tan, CEO of Sunway Malls on the Breakfast Grill, which aired towards the end of August. If you want to catch up on that podcast, it's available on the BFM app, available on the Apple App Store and Google Play, or you can find it on BFM's Spotify channel. Uh, now, real quick though, he goes on to, uh, he being Kevin Tan, then goes on to say that, look, if you don't share the, uh, your data, then you just don't download the app. But then you contrast these kind of statements and you know him also saying that uh, it's not meant to intrude in your privacy, and then you read of this. Of course, they would say that. Right? Yeah, right. And then you read the story about well, facial recognition uh, cameras there. What Correct. does that mean? Cra- you have to cameras wear, everywhere. Yeah, you have to wear a mask <laughs> when you go shopping next time. Yeah, and also if you relate that to the existence of the Personal Data Protection Act, I mean, I'm, I'm still receiving all these spams uh, mm. from companies. I get random phone calls, uh, which seems to be intruding into my privacy. But such laws already exist to. Uh, kind of differentiate uh, between our privacy uh, and data that can be used uh, for for your own benefit. For example, if you went uh, into a shopping mall, I mean, of course, we all go into shopping malls just to experience the aircon, right? Not <laughs> necessarily to buy things. That's true. But some of this technology will sort of uh, nudge you in the correction uh, direction so that you'll part with some amount of money uh, mm. from your credit card or your wallet. Um, and also, we, we have visions of Amazon Go, for example. Mm. A timeline on social media is repl- replete with videos of of how awesome Amazon Go is because you just walk into uh, the store, uh, take whatever you want from the shelves and your credit card will uh, immediately be charged. Uh, cashless, smooth transactions, walk in, walk out. Mm. And this is where you, the individual consumer, will then have to find that balance, right? On one hand, there's a convenience factor and then on the other hand, the privacy. Like There's a push and pull factor here. So are you willing to give up more of your privacy in order to gain more convenience? Because again, already with your digital uh, footprint, a lot of your, I mean, a, a lot of your details, your data is already out there, right? So do you then seed more of the data so that you can gain more convenience? Or do you actually go the other way and just get off the grid? And is that an acceptable trade-off? Well, a timely discussion here as we head into New Year's Day, and I bet many of you might be frequenting a shopping mall nearby. All right. Uh, so, uh, and then keeping in mind also that they are trying to do this as they try to deliver this better shopping experience uh, given the uh, glut they were seeing in the retail space and the shopping mall space. All right, moving right along, uh, let's move to this other story, fascinating one coming out of Turkey. So in recent days, you've got two corporate titans from Malaysia going to 
to Turkey to do uh, some humanitarian work. You've got the founder of Top Glove, Tan Sri Lim Wee Chai, and also the uh, Bajaya Group founder, Tan Sri Vincent Tan, who went to Turkey on a three-day mission to deliver humanitarian relief aid to Syrian refugees. Uh, the two were volunteers of the Zuti Foundation, and they went together with 23 other volunteers. Now, while that's uh, you know, all well and good, uh, the headline that the business sections are going with is that Top Glove is contemplating building a factory in Turkey. That's right. Um, apparently, according to the Top Glove uh, uh, CEO, it will help create between 500 and 1,000 jobs. And on top of his mind is the opportunity to employ Syrian refugees as well as Turkish citizens. And uh, we Malaysians are not uh, strangers to Turkey because we have entities like Malaysian airports and IHH having operations over there. In fact, mm. owning major stakes uh, in very strategic uh, businesses over there. And Top Glove uh, itself imports about 70%, sorry, uh, Turkey itself imports about 70% of its glove needs from Top Glove and it's mm. Uh, and has actually captured, uh, Top Glove has actually captured 25% of the world's market share. So uh, it's not surprising that they would have a presence in in Turkey. And um, what do you make of all these uh, philanthropic um, gestures? Uh, is it business or is it charity? Well, okay, I guess in this highly intertwined world that we live in, you... Um, I mean, you can see how the humanitarian points or the political points can jive with their business expansion plans. Right? You see uh, corporate leaders doing that all over the world. Um, does it dilute some of the good intent from such humanitarian efforts? Uh, from a purist point of view, I can see how some people might come to that conclusion because uh, it'd be nice if they just went there, did the mission, and then came out without any of these headlines. Although, to be fair, in a top glove... Uh, was just saying that they are mulling the idea. I don't know if how much was that was just uh, PC points to be gained uh, following the press conference at this humanitarian uh, relief effort. Yeah, I think that uh, it's not all the time wrong that you mix business with charity. Yeah. Uh, it's so it's uh, the very basis of uh, the buzzword social enterprises that we hear of today, right? There are actually online models of uh, charity where they should take a cut. I mean, we, we've been discussing this as well, Han, about how efficient charities are. Is it all about overheads? Mm. And overheads means that you've got to pay people to run the charity. In the same way, uh, you know, online uh, social enterprises, you know, charities that actually have a business model that takes a cut out of charity. Again, uh, is Tan Sri Vincent Tan doing anything different by going to, uh, now he's being elevated to the level of talking to a head of state, mm. uh, the PM of Turkey, um, who is giving him some land to uh, serve the needs of the refugees. I don't think it's uh, a bad thing. Yeah, well, and you've got uh, Tan Sri Lim Wichai, who also uh, mentioned a meeting with Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan on Saturday night as well. So um, pretty interesting developments there. Could we see more of a Malaysian presence in Turkey We'll have to see how this story develops. Okay, uh, with the little time that we have left, Julian, let's move on uh, to this uh, third story here about Tabung Haji. So over the weekend, we got more details about their plans to transfer some of these underperforming assets to the SPV. That's the Special Purpose Vehicle under the MOF. That's the Ministry of Finance. So now almost 20 billion ringgit worth of those assets have been uh, transferred over or well, started to do that uh, um, handover 
over to that SPV. I think this SPV has been set up to avoid this very strange situation of Tabung Haji cooking the books so that they can pay dividends. Their dividend payments have uh, over the years been illegal because the current liabilities have exceeded the current assets. So uh, the SPV is to fix this situation by acquiring all these assets uh, and then uh, I suppose providing Tabung Haji with not only the cash flow but uh, to equalize or... uh, make that situation of the assets being more than the liabilities. Right, because there were about 4 billion ringgit in the hole. So the idea that, like you said, transfer over to the SPV and then you can then fulfill your mandate legally. But then what we got over the weekend was the uh, the names of some of these companies. And these are public listed companies. Uh, some of their holdings or some of Tabung Haji's holdings in some of these public listed companies, they were transferred over. Which makes me wonder, right, uh, looking at this list of companies that are being handled over to SPV, you know, how do they define underperforming? Is it purely in terms of market cap or is there something structurally or fundamentally wrong with these companies? I'm talking about TH Heavy Engineering, Icon Offshore, Star Media. Uh, The list goes on and on. Uh, The uh, local biz papers actually uh, list them all out. Uh, Too many to go into detail, but you kind of wonder whether or not the the SPV is getting this deal on the cheap. And then if there's a rebound in the share prices of these companies, then that could potentially rob Tabung Haji of the ability to pay dividends. Yeah, I think you have a point there. But the question is whether Tabung Haji would have the time to see through that asset liability mismatch. Mm. uh, And therefore, the SPV has to fix the situation. Otherwise, the uh, interests of the members, uh, the depositors of Tabung Haji would be affected. I mean, they're saving money. They expect to get some interest or some dividends out of it so that they can accumulate enough money to perform their hard. Well, so the same question, Julian, can then be applied to the SPV, right? You know, can the MOF take on these so-called underperforming assets and turn them around? Uh, you know, do they have the kind of expertise, uh, right? Because again, this SPV was... Purpose- they're, not, they're not in management, though. They're, they're just uh, taking them off as investors, Um uh, playing that waiting game because right. because the market has uh, fallen so sharply and, and in fact I was surprised to see uh, some of these stocks losing uh, on on Tabung Haji's portfolio sixty to seventy percent. I mean that's a really big hit. So, uh, but it's now on the MRS books. So. Um, it's a case of just playing the waiting game to wait for the market to rebound, I guess. Mm, That's if the market's rebound. Wow, you you have a very (laughs) pessimistic view. All right, speaking about the markets, in just a bit, we'll take a look at how the FBM KLCI is faring on this final trading day of 2018. So stay tuned right here, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.